0: Welcome to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design and Development. I'm here today with Rachel Braun-Sherl. Her company is called Spark Solutions for Growth and they drive your top line revenue growth. She's been in this industry for over 20 years. So Rachel, can you share a story of some creative marketing you had to do for a client?
1: Sure, so the work we do at Spark is really based on the premise that you need to offer something, provide something, say something that gets people to buy what you're selling. So whether it's a new product, a new insight, a new category, new leadership, new project, whatever it is, you have to communicate to the buyer. So I found myself with my business partner several years ago as a middle-aged person, now more middle-aged than I was 10 and 12 years ago. And my business partner and I were raising money for a product that improved arousal, desire, and satisfaction for women of all ages and life stages. Suffice it to say, to be two women who they considered to be first-time entrepreneurs. We had never raised money, even though we were running a profitable business. And we're talking about female pleasure. So three strikes. In any case, we had 13 meetings in two days. And we're thinking we're going to get that big, fat cardboard check that you used to see on TV that said like $10 million on it. So we go into the first meeting and they ask us questions about Viagra and we answer very scientifically about how male sexual response is so different than female sexual response and here's why. And we always thought that you have to get the enthusiasm of one person in the room. So I thought that silence would be the worst thing, but it turns out laughter and whispering to your colleague about your senior prom date was worse. So here we're talking about building a business and they're giggling and tittering like they're in a seventh grade locker room. And then I realized that I knew seventh graders and they were much more mature than the people in this room. So nothing in the first one. We go to the second one and they ask about our clinical study, which double blind placebo controlled, very carefully designed study. What does it say about his satisfaction? Well, the study was designed around her satisfaction. It was done with long-term couples and heterosexual relationships and if we saw reports on his satisfaction it was anecdotal either that he felt like a more able partner or he felt good because she felt good same thing Whispered talking about the girl they went out with last night and yeah we're in a professional setting and it's in silicon valley and i had gone to stanford business school so a lot of people in these funds were people that i knew who were classmates or colleagues anyway so we have 11 more and we said we're not getting anywhere we're not having any of the conversations no one's asking us strategic questions so we came up with a plan i happened to look at my wallet i never have cash because i track everything but i had a hundred dollar bill and mary my business partner and i got an inspiration so we're whispering and we're planning our new talk track and we said listen as of right now we're zero for two it can't go worse so we walk into the third one and i held up the hundred dollar bill And according to our plan, I put it on the table, pregnant pause, and I say the following If anyone asks us a question about the category that we can't answer, this $100 is yours. If anyone tells a joke that makes us blush, this $100 is yours. If anyone makes a double entendre that we haven't heard before, same thing, the $100 is yours. Pause. And then I said, She likes it more, she wants to have it more. Let's talk about the business model. And in that moment, it became very clear that we were not to be trifled with. We were like serious people talking about serious business and a way for them to make serious money. But we had to sort of take the elephant out of the room and the discomfort, which is really what all the giggling was about, so that we could actually talk about the business that we were intending to invest in and build.
0: And so what ended up happening? How how did it grow from there?
1: The story would be great if I walked out of that one with a huge cardboard check, but we wound up, over the course of our fundraise, raising over $20 million in venture capital. So we did learn to do the pitch. We had a VC who had stepped up early on and was our partner, but it certainly helped to sort of make sure that we had no embarrassment because it's already embarrassing. No one likes to talk about this stuff. Apparently we do. And it just sort of made it easier for them. And if you give them a chance to laugh, that opens up the room and you can actually have a conversation about who is our target customer, where are we distributing, what are the what are the uses of capital going to be, and so on and so forth. So yeah, ultimately we did. And we were one of the first products out there that improved arousal, desire, and satisfaction for women.
0: That's amazing. So where did you go to next after that venture?
1: So we... We were really early. We exited the company in 2013. We had done a lot of things spectacularly well and a lot of things spectacularly poorly. We sold the company to a specialty pharmaceutical company. And I said, I had been consulting for large companies for a long time, J&J, Pfizer, Merck, Bayer, Allergan. And I really liked the space. And I really felt like I had an aptitude or comfort level in the space. So I really just stayed building businesses large and small in the space for menstruation through menopause. And I spend a lot of my time, I do a fair amount of speaking in the space, because it's critically important for it to grow and to get attention. And there are a lot more voices in the conversation, which is amazing. But I really like the challenge of figuring out how to offer solutions In certain cases where there were none before and in many cases where there are now better solutions. So I spend a lot of time in the space between venture backed startups and strategic partners putting them together. So doing a development deal with a large consumer products company or getting new distribution or negotiating a relationship with a partner who can drive sales. So all the kinds of things that just say, let's go, let's buy more, let's sell more.
0: So with Spark, are you focused on a particular industry?
1: Yeah, women's sexual and reproductive health. But in the past, I've worked from the top of her head to the tips of her toes, always healthcare. So devices, diagnostics, drugs, digital health, but with really now a very specific focus on women's sexual and reproductive health. And part of that was in response to a business challenge when we had finally raised the money and we went out to buy media to advertise. And there weren't. it wasn't quite as competitive as it is now in terms of all the different options. We still did want to use Facebook at that time. We went to 100 media outlets and 95% of them, or 95, said, no, we won't take your money for your advertising. Um, no reason. They were advertising Viagra and, channel, and CBS during the Super Bowl. We couldn't get our product on Lifetime at 8.30 a night. So I started speaking out a lot about the category in response to a business strategy. So if we can't buy media, we're going to earn it. And I think it was, and it turns out I liked it. It turns out I was reasonably good at it. We had interesting things to say, and it did really serve to grow the business and sort of solidified my real interest in staying squarely in this space. So when I say menstruation to menopause, think anything, fertility, infertility, disease prevention, incontinence, hot flashes menstruation, endometriosis, diagnostic testing, pregnancy, you name it. So historically, we have referred to women's sexual and reproductive health as what you would say, bikini medicine. So the breasts and the female genitals. And now a venture capitalist, Manisha Gaia in 2019, created a whole new paradigm, which is we look at women's health in three buckets, things that affect women only, things that affect women primarily, and things that affect women differentially. So only you have to have the reproductive organs to have issues with your ovaries or or challenges with reproduction or endometriosis. Things that affect women differently, 80% of the autoimmune diseases women experience, women experience more migraines. So there's just some categories where women significantly over-index in terms of prevalence and catastrophically under index in terms of investment. And then the last one is things that affect men and women differently. And the two best examples, I think, are heart disease, because the signs of a woman having a heart attack are quite different than a man, and COVID. When you look at those early stats around the world, women had much greater survival rates than men. And I think that created a lot of interest to figure out why that was and how to make sure that everybody was living as long as possible and responding to this. But that's really, when I talk about that world that I'm in, it's not narrow to me. It's extremely broad.
0: Yeah, it definitely is quite a broad range of companies you're touching through doing this. So have you seen a lot of client growth over the past few years?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, when I, when we started, there were very few people talking about it. Now, even just yesterday, it's like the best day of work for me. I walk into an event and there's a hundred people all focused on talking about how to grow different businesses. So there are tons more companies, literally thousands of companies. There are a lot more investors who either invest in diverse founders, specifically in women, women of color, or even specifically in women's health or sex tech. And... There's a lot more noise. During COVID, as many negative things as happened, it, it changed the conversation. We were having conversations about intimacy that we weren't before because everybody's trapped in their house. And we heard two extremes during COVID. I'm home all day and night and it's through the roof. And the other is now I'm a teacher and I'm working and I'm cleaning my house. I don't even have time to think about that. So we saw the two extremes. You know, one of my favorite examples of how much it changed is new york city put out a guidance that said you are your safest sex partner so the city of new york is saying you know what solo play is the way to go that is not something they had ever commented on before so we had a lot more of those conversations now we see this amazing groundswell of menopausal companies coming up for a whole bunch of reasons the demographics are growing in that space A lot of the people who experience it are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, who are very seasoned in their careers, maybe have some extra money, maybe are empty nesters and are speaking more loudly. And the other piece that really helps is celebrities talking about it. So the big thing in the past two weeks was when Oprah talks about menopause, then it's a thing. But we have lots of celebrities talking about it because now they've aged into this life stage. And then the last piece I'll say is I think there's been a lot of conversation around what we've done for fertility, infertility, pregnancy, family planning. The young tech companies with the young employees said, we have to find a way to keep them. Let's start to offer these benefits. We're at the very, 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 very beginning of seeing that for menopause. 20% of the workforce, 20% of the menopausal workforce thinks about leaving their job in the next year. And so if you think of that, if you're 40 and you've been working your whole career or you're 50 or older, you're probably at your greatest value to your organization. So it would behoove the companies and they are starting to think about it to expand what they offer.
0: So should we be getting into the menopause business now?
1: The right ones, yes. I mean, now it's sort of a, a free for all and it's so many different things and people are astounded to learn that at a minimum, there are 34 symptoms of menopause. So one of the challenges, and we talked about this at this event yesterday, is when you think about putting these products in retail, or you think about going to a physician to help you, who do you go to? Because my symptoms are hot flashes, depression, migraines, anxiety, adipose, belly fat, heart palpitations. There's not one doctor who does all that. (laughs) So the actual experience of menopause is very complicated and then you think about it the same way going into a retail environment take a walgreens if you're talking about products at that price point well do you go in skin for dry skin do you go in the sanitary protection aisle because of vaginal dryness do you go in the weight loss do you go in supplements so we really are working as a community on trying to create a space and there are many brands working on this create a space where you go to buy a range of products for your overarching symptoms.
0: So when a client comes to you, are you offering some advice on the direction of these types of things?
1: Yeah. So I do a couple of different things. I try to figure out, are they on the right strategy? What is their strategy? If it's not articulated, how can I help them better articulate it? What activities must they do to execute that strategy? Sometimes I'm often involved at an operational level, so we need to break into this sort of distribution, or we need to fundraise, or we need to find a corporate partner. Those are all things that I would do. And then at a very basic level, if a company decides that they're going to build through partnership or affiliate, I identify the companies who make sense for them, given what they're offering in complementary areas to figure out literally how to drive sales and affiliate revenue. So Really, very—I call it pragmatic strategy because I'm very focused on transactions. So they could sometimes companies say we want to sell. What do we do? Who are our options?
0: So if one of our listeners wanted to reach out to you for any of these services, how would they do so?
1: So the easiest way to find me is the V-A-G-I-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. A A reporter came up with that name, and it worked so well that I asked her if she was using it, and she said no. So I trademarked it. But anything under RB Cheryl. If you just look me up, Rachel, Braun, Cheryl, Arby, Cheryl Spark, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. And maybe put in that and women's sexual health or just put vagina, you'll find me.
0: Thank you, Rachel, for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design and Development. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.